Visionaries Global Media, your number one source for podcasting entertainment. Okay, welcome to the JGB Wrestling Podcast. Review? Pro Wrestling Capital Collision. That's right, from May 14th uh, in DC. I can't remember the name, it's like the Sports and Entertainment Complex. It has like a really generic name, but... I think um, that's what it is. Yeah, I think it's that as well. Every time I look at it, it just sounds so generic. Um, we took a little trip before we actually got there. This was pretty close for us. This was under an hour to get there, but um, on the way, about 50 minutes on the way to the hour journey, or it, probably a little bit less than that, but with traffic, it was about on a Saturday afternoon. Um, we took a right turn, and we actually went south into Maryland. I've been wanting to visit Fort Washington for a while. Yeah. And just never had the chance. Um, we actually have a National Parks Pass again from when we went to Fort McHenry recently, so I was like, yep. hey, we're going to go use it. We'll take that opportunity. And um, unfortunately, when we got there, it was kind of around yeah. 4.30. Yeah, it closed at 4.30. Oh, yeah. yeah, if you come uh, after 4.30, then most of it looks like um, like a kind of like clown meeting place. If it's like great, it looks like a bunch of clowns live there. I have no and idea what a, a clown bunch of meeting clowns place meet is. There too. I have and, no idea what you're talking about. This is a fall that the, was built in like the... And then kill. This was like a fort built in like the late 1700s, as far as I can tell. Um, it was repurposed for the Civil War, so um, you could see the outside. You just couldn't see the inside. You yeah, could like, walk around it. You could go down the hill, and you could get yeah. to the waterfront where the Potomac is. It's pretty close to uh, Mount Vernon. But Mount Vernon's on the other bank. No. That's what you said. No, I didn't. I said it's right next to it. If you had to go by car, you'd have to go across the backwoods, and then you have to go across the bridge. And But from the water, it's, like, really close. Um, it was just around the corner, though, so we couldn't quite see it from the angle that we were at. Um, yeah, it was a nice place. It got some steps in for us, and... Um, while we were there, as we were heading back, I knew that there was a Bojangles as well. I was like, great, we can go get dinner there. We haven't been to Bojangles uh, for a while. And then as soon as we got in, there was like four people eating. And they were like, oh, it's closed. I'm like, huh? Like, and they said, oh, you suddenly forgot to close the door or something. It's like, okay, whatever. So you can go through the drive-thru. And uh, we didn't want to do the drive-thru. So we went to McDonald's instead. And they were open. So I don't know what the deal was. It was quiet in McDonald's, though. Yeah. Uh, but you could eat inside, so... We did, and we went to where Mason and I parked for the AEW Rampage, and they had cones up, and I was like, what the... So we carried on driving. Anyway, as we came back, we did a U-turn. Construction site. Yeah, they're obviously building on that site right now, so we could see that the second time, so I was like, I have no idea where we're going to park. So I was like, I remember... (laughs) Yeah, that was the red lot. I remember that there was a green lot, and I remember there was street parking as well. So street parking's only $2 an hour. I was like, great. We parked for two hours, though. So I was like, this is pointless. So this was no good. So we yeah, we ended up paying the $20. The other place was $10. But as it was, um, it would have been kind of dark afterwards with, with you around. So it was it was good that it was close. It probably saved us 15 minutes walking each way. I didn't need my steps because we'd already walked around Fort Washington. And um, yeah, we actually got in and actually made it for the um, part of the opening match. So there was actually a pre-show. So we did get to catch some of that, which we wouldn't have done otherwise. Oh, yeah, Fort, Mc- Fort Washington's kind of impressive, Dad. Okay, because? Um, it looks like, like a clown's meeting place. No, it's because, like, it's really big. Uh-huh. And also, it's, it's on a really steep hill. So, uh-huh. they had to put, like, a lot of bricks to make it, like, flat. Um, it kind of probably took a long time to build. It was, and that's pretty much, uh, you stole what I said on Saturday. But you said the exact opposite. You were like, uh, Fort McHenry's way better. <laughs> and then yeah. someday today you changed your it mind. It is because it looks, it looks cooler. Um, I said Fort Washington is a better fort, but Fort McHenry is more historic. Yeah, if I had to pick one also, that was, it looks prettier as well. Uh-huh. But yeah, it was on a really steep hill. If you were attacking, it would not be an easy place to get to at all. Yeah, you would have to run up. You'd be tired till they, so they, so you, they could just quickly pull out their um their gun? mini gun. And then just shoot you. 
Uh-huh. A bunch of times with their miniguns. I did ask you if you wanted to go down to the waterfront, because I did say, hey, it's going to be steep on the way back, and you're yeah. like, no, let's go. And then on the way back, you wanted to stop every couple of minutes because you were tired and you wanted to sit, take a bench. And then they would probably have a runway inside of it so they could, so their B2 bombers could take off. In the Civil War? Yeah. In the 1800s? I don't think so. And then they could just bomb all the ships. Uh, no. With an A-bomb. All right. That's awesome content for a wrestling review. Uh, also a all right, as we got there, there was a massive line compared to the one for AEW, and um, I heard people talking about. I saw somebody with a, a big gold belt t- uh, podcast T-shirt, and um, that's somebody in this local area I recognise. And I also heard somebody talking about one of the local meets, uh, Butch versus Gore, which was an event that Mason and I went to. And I thought it was going to take a long time to get in, and it was actually pretty quick. It was probably under five minutes. Um, yeah. Got through the. Um, Got through the security, and um, yeah, we could already hear the match had started. Um, I think you went to the restroom first, yes. yeah, because you didn't want to miss any of the main matches. It was the 50th anniversary, it was, and then we went down to our seats and we had floor seats. We were slightly at the diagonal on where the ring post was, and uh, but we're only three rows, and there was a little gap for you to see between. Um, I was pleased that we got to see that close. I ended up watching like. 40% up on the screen because usually they were in the middle of the ring and that was like the ring post blocking them. The ring post was there some of the times which is not ideal and sometimes the photographers as they're moving around as well and they're trying to film it sometimes they got in the way a little bit and um, yeah sometimes it, sometimes the other thing you didn't like the barricades either can you remember why? Um no. The barricades have like all um, advertising on them. Oh so yeah. Like, Indies are like all clear. DC events and like mm-hmm. it covers them, so you can't see things. So yeah, if the wrestlers are on the outside, you can't actually see what's going on because you can't see through the barricade. So that was. It's better if you look behind you, because there was like the screen there too, uh-huh. and like there's no one in front of you. There was yeah, like, there that's... were screens. So that's what I did like like one time. Yeah, sometimes you had to look at that, and that was fine. I had to do that as well a couple of times. But So there was a pre-show. Um, it was uh, Nick Comaroto, um against Kevin Knight. It was over in six minutes. Um, I think we only saw three minutes, and I was like, oh, they must have been going on for a while. But no, we only actually missed probably about three minutes. Um, I recognized Nick Comaroto from uh, AEW, and uh, Mason and I did a review uh, about him as well. Um, I think he was on the Belladonna division one time as well, so I, I was certainly familiar with him as well. And um, so what did you think of the seats then, first up? Because um, there was a break in between. After this match, it was probably like 15 minutes. Pretty good. I like uh-huh. the seats. There was people next to us. There were a few people in front of us. There was gaps to the right of us. Um, it certainly wasn't full at that point. And you noticed that nobody was using the upstairs seats at all. And, and they weren't. It was just all lower seating. So the capacity is about 4,000. And I think for this one, it was about 2,900. Uh, something like that, because they weren't using all of them. Um, Shall we go to match one then, JJ? Yep. All right. Okay, match one. Renarita versus Carl Fredericks. Mm-hmm. So I looked up, I didn't know either of these two people, because you asked me ahead of time, like, how many of these people do you know? And I kind of mentioned. The thing I actually like before we get to match one is they actually announced every single match. They yeah. put it up on the screen. It was like, match one, this, match two, this. And then the crowd were cheering when their favorite names were mentioned. Uh, match seven, which was the co-main event, and then obviously big cheers for all those names. And, and I like that. I kind of like knowing what was coming up. It felt, I don't know, I've never heard that done before, but I kind of like that. It kind of built up the... It built up the excitement for some of those matches, and you got to see exactly, oh, this person's going to be here today, because I didn't know everybody who was going to be there either. Um, the New Japan Pro Wrestling website is amazing, JJ. Yeah. Uh, when you click on the roster, yeah. um, you can click on any person, and it gives you a, gives you the background straight away, because I didn't really want to look at Wikipedia. I wanted to go for something a little bit more a little bit more reliable. Uh, Ren Narita is one of the shining stars of the New Japan Pro Wrestling Dojo with a bright future ahead of him. Bringing a new aggression in 2019, he made a strong impression on more established names with a strong fighting spirit and phenomenal bridging suplex. Um, I noticed his bridge was really good on one of the pinfalls he put on, uh, or attempted pinfall he put on Carl. Um, after debuting in 2015 on the American independent scene, Fredericks took a bold step and made a fresh start, entering the New Japan Pro Wrestling LA Dojo in 2018. 
Studying under Katsura Shibata, he was imbued with an old-school fighting spirit combined with a natural confidence and charisma. Now, I didn't read out the whole profiles. I just took the first little bit. It also tells you, like, their history in New Japan, like, what matches they won, what tournaments they won, uh, how successful they were in, like, the last tournament, and things like that. But, yeah, for somebody who didn't know about these people, this was kind of like a cool place to go find out a little bit more. Alright, do you remember anything about this match? Now, for this one, I did actually, they did actually put out promo pictures for every single match afterwards. Yeah, and it had been, oh yeah, at the start, they, like, put up the picture of the wrestler, and also their names. Because, huh? like, they announced them in Japanese, so that's how I uh, basically knew their names. Yeah, it was difficult for some, like, when, yeah. like, Jay White came out, like, I know who Jay White is, but the first part I didn't understand, and sometimes they had, like, a Japanese version of Jay White. Yeah. Uh, it would be like, Jaho Waito. I was like, oh, okay, and, like, I'm exaggerating, but it was like, okay, I can figure that's Jay White, but yeah, it really helped do that. So I thought for some of these, like, I'm going to remember Jay faces. Co-main we'll get there, we'll get there. I'm not going to remember all the people's names and things. So, luckily, so I printed these out for you, so that's why you're doing the introductions, but also to help you remember. Um, anything you can remember about this one? Mm. We didn't take any notes, because we weren't even going to do a review for yeah. this. Um, like, not really. Alright, well, Carl came out kind of like, a, almost yeah. like a face. Everyone was kind of high-fiving him and cheering him. And then Ren came out and kind of the same thing. Everyone was cheering him. Carl uh, quickly turned a more of a heelish side on this one. He was cheating a little bit. Uh, I was impressed with both of these wrestlers. It was a solid first match. There was a lot going on. Um, I'd be happy to see. You said you thought Ren was a good uh, wrestler because you were looking at the Japanese wrestlers who you'd not seen before. And you mentioned this morning that you thought he was uh, one of those wrestlers. I'm just looking at the time here on the on the pro promo picture. It says 1.15. I wonder if that means it's one full 15 minutes. Because they were announcing the times every five minutes as well. They yeah. said, blah, blah, five minutes. And so you could kind of know where to go. And I didn't notice that before until I was just looking right now. Now, we talked about the dojo in both of those two things then, JJ. Wait. Oh. What? I noticed that the only, that the longest match is 60 minutes. Uh-huh. I don't like think any... Like a whole hour. That was the last match. Yeah, they didn't go to 60. They don't always, of course, have to go that long, but they have the option of running that long. Um, I know some of Okada's matches, uh, particularly some of his against uh, Kenny Omega, certainly went 60 minutes. So, yeah, he's known for having kind of long matches. Okada and Jay White are in the co-main We event. get there. We're on start match one. So, anyway, we talked about the dojo. So, dojo is kind of like where they yeah. train. So, I looked up a little bit more. It says, while the word dojo ref does refer to a training hall or practice area, dojo is actually made up of two Japanese kanji that shed light on a greater picture. Now, I think uh, for the word karate. Now, I think kanji is like the, you know, the Japanese writing? The letters, they kind of look like pictures. Symbols? So, yeah, so I think that's what a kanji is, anyway. So, first of all, do you know what karate means? Yeah. What does it mean? It's like kind of like a martial arts. It is, but do you know what the word karate actually means in English? No. Okay, that I do know. It means open hand. So, when you think of karate, they do like chops, right? There's not like fists and that. Yeah. So, I knew that part. Now, actually, it says, uh, Westerners use the word incorrectly. The proper term is karate-do. So, the three words are... Uh, kara, kara, or kara, which is empty. Yeah. Uh, te, which is hand, and then do or do, which is way. So it's the do that ports or do, I guess, is the first character in do Joe. So do can be translated as way, path, or road, and essentially a route to get where you want to go. <laughs> in the case of martial arts training, we want to head towards a stronger version of ourselves, a better understanding of the world around us, a deeper connection to the way of nature, and for the ideal way to one's life. So the second word, Joe. That actually means a place. So dojo actually means way place. So it says it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to have specific. Because I was thinking it was like a building. And it says it doesn't have to have specific uh, equipment, doesn't have to have specific uniforms. Um, it's basically somewhere where you go to put yourself on that path or in that way to becoming, well, for wrestlers, a professional wrestler. Uh, it says it doesn't need to be a special place for you, though. Um, it's about placing importance on your practice and making it more than just kicking and punching. It's the epic journey of your life. Yeah. So, kind of very different from what I think about when I think of a wrestling training in uh, America. Like yeah. people turning up to perhaps a garage, having a ring set up, uh, running around doing drills and stuff. So, yeah. Um, I thought that was a little interesting. I didn't look it up before. All right. Match two then, JJ. Um, got some five-way tag team action right yeah. here. Okay. Rocky Romero versus Yuya. Um, Yuya. David Finley, Tangaloa, and Fred Rogers. Uh huh. Versus? Versus WCWC. Uh huh. Junior. 
Prieto, uh -huh. Danny Limelight, uh -huh. and Tom Waller. And you did ask why there was only four names with those five pictures. And I said, I'm not sure, but I think WCWC is actually a tag team. Because I saw later Aussie Open appear, and I know they're a tag team as well. So, 5 on 5. Looks like it was 1 for 20 minutes from the look of this picture. Um, I'd seen Tom Lawler before. Um, and I knew David Finley as well. And we'd actually reviewed it on Jackson's Goofy Brawl, but I think you forgot. Uh, Rocky Romero I knew as well. Um, and Danny Limelight I certainly knew as well for this one. Um, anything that really stand out to you in this one, JJ? Um, nope. Tom Lawler certainly was playing the heels characters again. Um, I don't think we even said who won the first match, actually. I think we skipped that one. I'm pretty Carl sure... Carl Fredericks. Yeah, Carl Fredericks, the heel, I think, won this one. Um, but they did... But they did also, like... People came on as well. And they, like... um, And they kind of, like... Told them a bunch of stuff, and... Uh, yeah. They did, Dan. Told who? What? Carl Fredericks. I forgot uh, exactly, and then he, he said, um, this is my way, saying congratulations, and then he just he hops in dead. Gotcha, gotcha, I kind of do remember that part, yeah. Um, I don't remember anything specific, um, I know Danny Limelight really impressed me in this one, I was particularly looking out for him, um, he'd sold some really good moves from the other team, he did manage to get his offense in as well. Um, Tom Lawler didn't actually have that much in this match, David Finley was tagging in a lot. Um, I think David Finley, you commented about his outfit. Because you said he looked really impressive with his jacket, but then he looked very impressive when he took his jacket off. I think yeah. that was the comment you told me. It's true, Dad. Okay. I, I thought David Finley still looked impressive in both. Um, I don't remember who got the win for this. Was it the heels again? I think it was. Yeah. Was this the one? I think this was the match. It was five on one at one point. Yeah. Um, they they kind of did cheap shots and knocked the yeah. other people off the team. And the person who was in the ring, they kind of staged a selfie. Like, they had the person, and they all posed around him, and then they got the cameraman to take a picture of it. And that, that was the most memorable thing for me in this match. It was kind of funny. It was heels being heels. But, once again, a lot of people I didn't know in this one, but a 15-minute match, <laughs> obviously there was a lot going on in this. Um, you said after match two, because I wasn't sure if you'd even like New Japan Pro Wrestling, to be honest. I wasn't sure if I would really like New Japan Pro Wrestling, because I haven't really seen that much of it. And you told me straight away, you're like, oh, I love New Japan Pro Wrestling. So, can you remember why you said that, or what is it about New Japan Pro Wrestling that you like? You told me really early. It's because, like, they have, like, a lot of action. It has, like, an indie kind of feel, uh -huh. but it's pro wrestling uh -huh. still. Like, that's kind of why I like it. So, I think the way you told me, kind of, because I asked you what you meant by that, and you kind of said it felt like um, WWE production levels, um, like the lighting and the entrances and things like that, and a big crowd, but it felt like an indie to you because you were still close, because you were like third row. Yeah. So, you could hear the wrestlers, you could interact with the wrestlers a little bit. And, um, yeah, I, I knew exactly what you were talking about, and it, it did. I like that arena. It's and a really good reason like, of watching wrestling. It feels like there's not many seats when there actually is a lot of seats. When you're that close, yes, because you're not always aware of what's going on kind of behind you. And I kind of knew at this one, because I knew the bigger matches were coming up. So I kind of asked you at this point, I was like, do you want to go get some popcorn? Because you already talked about yeah. wanting to get some popcorn. So we went up, and the first concession stand didn't actually have any. There's only like two and main then, ones. Yeah. And they and just had sandwiches we, and stuff. Yeah, and then we passed, um, then we passed a popcorn stand, and Dad went to the other one. Oh, we did? Farther away. Yeah. I didn't see that. Yeah, there was there was one right like that was right in that was place. that was drinks. That was alcoholic drinks. That was cocktails. That was not popcorn. That was popcorn. No, it wasn't. Popcorn. Anyway, before that though, you missed something straight away. There was signs. So you actually, oh, you had your New Japan Pro Wrestling T-shirt, which I didn't even know you had. Uh, it was one of Mason's old ones. So you were you were already set for this. And then they had the big banner that had the same thing. I was like, well, we got to get a picture of that. The same logo. And yeah, and it was actually three in a row. So we had to we got one for each of those. And I think later I got you to take a picture with me as well against all of them. I'm not sure it was the same time. Oh, it's actually after we got the popcorn. I said, hey, before we sit down, I was like, I kind of want a picture with all those as well. So we did that. It had oh, yes. the 50th anniversary of New Japan Pro Wrestling yeah. I mentioned. Because their Twitter handle, I think, is at NJPW1972. So that would be 50 years ago. Um, we got a popcorn, $8. It said 1,000 calories. Now, I thought popcorn was a healthy option. So I'm going to guess there was a lot of butter on that popcorn. Yeah, calories in tastes it. buttery. Uh huh. And actually, as we were coming, as we were actually out of our the seats, Great O'Connor and Chase Owens were 
like, coming into the ring. Correct. So that's match three. And actually, the thing we found out is even the worst seats, supposedly, are still really good seats. And from your perspective, you were higher up, so you could see over the top of everybody for this one. So you could see everybody, it's just that they were further away. Uh, you actually said for next time, you'd probably want to be up there, I think. So I was like, great, that's, <laughs> that's even cheaper. Uh, so those floor seats row. are a lot. Well, front row's probably not going to happen. They were ridiculously expensive. Uh, but yeah, Great Okan came out. It looked really impressive. I didn't know yeah. who Great Okan was. I knew Chase Owens, because I knew he was part of the Bullet Club. And he used to wrestle at um, Nova Pro a little bit as well. Um, so I looked up Great Okan for you then, JJ. Influenced by the fearsome leader of the Mongol Empire, Genghis Khan, Okan vowed to dominate the landscape in New Japan. Now, this Genghis also... Genghis Khan <laughs> equals Big Great Conqueror Dude. Now, we didn't realize this at the time. There was a sign also for United Empire, which we had no idea what that was. So we just took a picture with it. And then anyway, we fi you figured out later, you said that Great Okan is actually part of that. And I was like, oh, okay, because he came out with Will Ospreay later. So anyway, I found... I looked they were up, waving the flag. I looked up those for you, JJ. So United Empire, originally just The Empire, is a villainous professional wrestling faction performed in New Japan Pro Wrestling and Rev Pro. The faction is led by Will Ospreay. And we, actually, when Will Ospreay came in later, his yeah. belt actually said Rev Pro. So that made sense. So why did they come about then? So on night 17 of the G1 Climax 30, during a match between Chaos members Akada and Ospreay, B. Priestley, Ospreay's girlfriend, made her debut appearance ringside. As Akada locked his money clip submission into Osprey, Priestley attempted to enter the ring, distracting the referee in the process. Uh, Oka, now known as the Great Okan, so Tomoyuki Oka is the Great Okan, then made his surprise return from excursion and entered the ring behind the referee's back, attacking Okada with an iron claw slam, which allowed Osprey to hit his Stormbreaker finisher, earning him the pinfall. So after the match, Osprey turned heel on Okada by attacking him with the hidden blade elbow strike to the back of the head. And later in a backstage interview, Osprey announced that he would officially leave Chaos to start a new faction with him, Priestley, and Okan called the Empire. Okan is actually spelt at this point K-H-A-R-N, and he would change his spell into the one that we saw in the ring. Um, Jeff Cobb joined the stable on November 15th when he was revealed to be Okan's mystery tag team partner for the annual World Tag League tournament. So that helps explain a little bit how they came to be. You also notice that Great Okan had the same mouthpiece that... Um, Josh Woods has as well in Ring of Honor, where he looks like the teeth that you can see. Yeah, like the shark teeth. Uh-huh. All right, what do you remember about this one? Because you were probably eating more than anything. Do you remember anything particular about this one? Uh, yeah. Oh, well, Chase Owens won in about eight minutes. You recognized straight away that Chase Owens was part of the Bullet Club because you saw it on his pants. I didn't actually notice that at all at that point. I kind of forgot. I, I knew he was in. I didn't know it was Chase Owens in the match. I knew of Great Okan was because I saw him. I didn't see it was Chase Owens. So I just thought he was a wrestler who I didn't recognize. Because he had kind of had his back to us. Um, Great Okan's really impressive. Uh, that was somebody I'd want to see again. I don't remember anything specific for this one. The thing I remember about most matches is it seemed like every match had a chopping competition at some point. That was one thing I knew. They would all kind of stand back and go, okay, okay you give me a chop. I'm going to give you a chop. Uh, there was lots of woo and things like that, which was... Yeah, it was cool to see, but I, I thought perhaps they used that a little bit too much for this one. Um, I did look up, then, if you don't have anything else, uh, members of Chaos. So, Aaron Hanari, who I think is on this card as well. Francesco Akiri, the Great Okan, of course, Jeff Cobb. Kyle Fletcher, Mark Davis, TJ Perkins, and Will Ospreay. And B Priestley actually isn't part of that organization anymore. She left in March 2021, it said. All right, match four, JJ. Oh, yeah, that first one is not on the card. They said for chaos was not on the card. Ah, uh, okay. Match four. Okay, match four is a eight man tag. Uh-huh. Aaron Hanar. Uh, Aaron Hanar, who we just said, yeah. Jeff Cobb. Yep. Wait, there's only three people. Kyle Fletcher and Mark Davis. That's part of Aussie Open. That's the United Empire again. See, I didn't notice. I didn't notice when he introduced them. It said United Empire at that time. And the other team is TD, TMDK, which is Jonah, Mikey Nichols, and Shane Haste, and Bad Dude Tito. Hey, I was supposed to do that. That was my line. 
Oh, you were taking an hour to do it. I'm gonna. <laughs> we have two podcasts to record today. Perhaps put your papers in front of you where you can actually see them then, instead of trying to look at them from a side. You're trying to look at them at an angle. Um, a standout super heavyweight on the Australian independent circuit, Jonah wrestled in Pro Wrestling Noah before an extended period honing his craft in WWE. Don't now the top dog seeks to make a mark on New Japan and Strong. I looked, I was like, Jonah looks really familiar, but I had no idea why, and it turned out because it was... Um, Bronson, oh, Bronson Reed. I was about to say Bronson Arroyo. That's a picture from about 15 years ago. So that was why he looked familiar. I knew Jeff Cobb previously in this one. And actually, I think Jeff Cobb might be the only person I knew in this one ahead of this one. But I think everyone in the crowd wanted to see uh, Jonah versus Jeff Cobb because they were just so big. All right, what do you remember about this one then, JJ? Um, They were about to do the Jonah versus Jeff Cobb. Uh-huh. And then, like, and then I think Jonah would. Oh, I traded Jeff Cobb. Um, I don't think that was what happened, actually. I thought they were. I thought those two were in the ring by themselves, but I thought they got knocked out, and it was a different finish that somebody else took in. But um, I don't think it actually. I don't think I wrote down the finish. No, I just wrote that TMDK actually won. Jonah's team definitely won, but I didn't think it was Jonah that got the win. Um, yeah, those two big guys in the ring together. I think that's what we'd want to see as a future event as well. Yeah, we actually found out maybe that there tomorrow. is. Well, today, not now. Uh, we actually found out that there is an event in Philadelphia. So I guess they're doing a show here. And it's only two, three hours up the road to Philadelphia. So they're going to do a second show there today. So some of those storylines will be going on. Oh, I think I remember who the person was who came out now for um, Carl Fredericks. It was QT Marshall. Because yeah. everybody was booing him. And he was. I think they wanted him to join the factory. And he was like, you're going to regret not doing this. And then I think that's why they kind of kicked him down a little bit. But yeah, QT Marshall got booed massively at the... Uh, AEW shows as well, so it wasn't surprising. He's a good heel, actually. Like, all he has to do is walk out, and everyone's like, boo! So, I thought that was uh, pretty good. Um, I really enjoyed this match. I thought it worked really well. They had good combinations of different people. It was kind of obvious in the end that you were going to get Jonah and Jeff Cobb together, but why not? Why wouldn't you want two big guys like that hitting each other and beating each other up? So, I thought it worked pretty well for that one. Uh, Match five... Is Brody King versus Rhino? Suzuki. Suzuki. They were cheering. Suzuki. Suzuki. Um, I did look for some of the cage match uh, ratings for these matches, JJ. So if some people don't vote on every match, but kind of the bigger matches they do. So that last match was a 6.69 based on 12 votes. Uh, match five was a rating of 8.63. So Brody King came in first. Um, he's got that gimmick currently going on with Malachi Black on AEW. And Minoru Suzuki took forever to come out. I was trying to film his entrance, and I had to stop it and then start it again. It took so long. Um, do you remember his nickname, Minoru Suzuki? Murdered Grandpa. Yeah, that was pretty much it. Yeah, he's a uh, 54. Sorry, he's going to be 54 in a month, so um, yeah, he's kind of a legend. He's been on AEW a lot recently. Um, great to see just two hard-hitting guys go together like that. Like, Minoru Suzuki, if you looked at him, I don't think you'd immediately think like he's going to be a tough wrestler. Um, but he was kind of just like, yeah, go ahead, hit me. And obviously, Brody King was much taller than he was. So this was pretty much just a slapping fest. Minoru which... Suzuki equals Buddhist monk. Yeah, well, that's what you said for this one. Um, Minoru Suzuki, it said on um, the New Japan Pro Wrestling website, the king of pro wrestling and the leader of the Suzuki gun. Minoru Suzuki is a name that strikes respect and fear deep in the hearts of competitors and fans alike. After initially training in the New Japan Pro Wrestling dojo, Suzuki joined the UWF group in 1989. So that tells you how long he's been wrestling. That's uh, 33 years ago. Before becoming one of the founding fathers of Japanese MMA. Returning to pro wrestling in 2003, Suzuki picked up gold wherever he went, including the IWGP Tag Team, the Never Openweight, and the IWGP Intercontinental Gold in New Japan Pro Wrestling. All right, do you want to tell us the result then for this one? Um, I think it was Minoru Suzuki. Took up the loss. <laughs> no, Brody King won. It was, I was kind of hoping it would be. I think we both wanted Suzuki to win. But in reality, Brody King's are much younger and much stronger, uh, much taller. And in the end, uh, Minoru put up a good battle for nine minutes and five seconds. But uh, Brody King took the win. But yeah, it went down really well with the crowd. 8.63. And um, yeah, no arguments from me on that one at all. Uh, match six. I think the last three were particularly impressive. Samuel Hero. 
Ishii versus Eddie Kingston. And the crowd were really split on this one. Um, like, some people were cheering for Ishii, and then other people were cheering for Eddie. It was like, let's go Ishii, let's go Eddie. Like, there was alternate cries from each one. Some of the times I was cheering for Eddie, some of the times I was cheering for Ishii. You did Ishii twice, I, only Eddie once. No, I did more for Eddie. I, I did whoever was, I just alternated them. So perhaps I started with Ishii then. But, um, this started one... with Eddie and then did Ishii twice and then did Eddie again. So that's two apiece then. So that's an equal one then. Um, guy, Mark for this one was 7.2. I didn't think this one was that much lower than the Suzuki one. I actually thought this was better than the Suzuki one, to be honest. Um, Eddie's hard-hitting, Ishii's hard-hitting. Um, yeah, this is kind of the same thing. You know that they're going to do slapping against each other. Um, you know it's going to be brutal. They're going to knock each other down, and then it's just a case of who can finally get up in the end. So I did look up, um, as you wanted more interested in the Japanese wrestlers, I looked up Ishii for this one. Uh, trained by pro wrestling legends Jenichiro Tenryu and Nariki Choshu, Ishii is renowned for his, renowned, sorry, for his dog determination and toughness. Known in New Japan as a no-nonsense workhorse, able to produce amazing matches night after night, he takes the Don't brunt of any opponent's attacks head-on and returns the favor in kind. His short stature belies his explosive strength, when he do, which he uses to inflict brutal chops and headbutts. Ishii takes no prisoners. His no-prisoner approach has earned him the IWGP Tag Team Championships, the RPW's British Heavyweight Championship twice, and six never-openweight championship reigns as well. All right. Anything you remember specifically for this match? Um, that Ishii's nickname was the Stone Bulldog. Oh, it was. Oh, yeah. I totally missed that. How did you know that? Did it say it on the scoreboard or it something? It said on his shirt. Oh, okay. Okay. I also I'm surprised we haven't mentioned it after six games because you were really in uh, matches. You were really interested in the New Japan Pro Wrestling game. Huh? The New Japan Pro Wrestling video game. Oh yeah. NGPW Strong Spirits. Uh huh. And what made that look so good? It, it was like um a wrestling, like type. A wrestling thing. game? No, yeah. really. That but New Japan like, Pro Wrestling? Wow. It's like a wrestling game that kind of looked like that had pictures as well. A video game with images? No. No, like Yonka. pictures of them, like actual pictures of them, Dad. Uh huh. Like not like graphically designed. Oh, it looked kind of like a managerial game rather than a you play the characters type thing. You had to train them in the dojo. You had to kind of get them stronger. Sometimes it said they get yeah. tired and um, you have to give them like, rest. After you, like, after you like make them like really buff, sometimes they fail their workout thing. Uh-huh. And then like... It's all about finding balance. Yep. You gotta work, but you also gotta rest as well at the same time. Um, who won this one? Um, it was Eddie Kingston. Nope, you're not gonna do good on these. I have Ishii. the results in front of me. It was Ishii. Uh, Tomohiro, I think is how you pronounce his uh, first name. I'll let it go to begin with. Um, great match. Um, everyone was excited for this one. The other thing, oh, the other thing I noticed for the Suzuki match that I missed was when his theme music was being played, everyone was singing towards the end. I had no idea what the song was. I remember on AEW, people were unhappy because they cut his music short. Now, I didn't know anything about his entrance, but that was one thing. There was a lot of very knowledgeable fans in the ring. We were not very knowledgeable at all. Uh, we went because we were wanted to learn more about it, and we thought it would be cool, and it absolutely was. But there was also and a John lot of... Moxley too. And John Moxley, too. Too. But there was a lot of fans who knew. I don't know if you saw the guy's jacket in front of me. He had a huge leather jacket with like the New Japan logo on. I was like, that's going to be pretty expensive. Um, and looking around the ring as well, when you saw the jerseys, most people were wearing New Japan type jerseys as well. It wasn't like just WWE fans who were turning up. It was really New Japan Pro Wrestling fans. So I thought that was kind of cool as well. Uh, match. So oh. Um, I got a few Twitter quotes. Uh, Tony Bell, at Tony Bell 73 totally honest, Eddie Kingston, Tomohara Ishii is probably going to end up as one of my three favorite matches ever. Woo! Uh... What if you find a better one? Oh, I, uh, that's what he said at the time. I don't know. Perhaps it, I don't know if that tweet came out before the last two matches. I'm not sure. Now, I'm not sure, JJ. I tried to write this down in the notes, but I'm not sure where it was. Is this when Leo Rush came out? Mm. That, I think so. I think it was just after, before the last two matches. After yeah. It was after the Akata match? No, it was after the, um, the Eddie Kingston. So when I just said that? Yeah. <laughs> okay, I was like, oh, Leo Rush. Like, I know he's from Baltimore area, so I was like, okay. Um, I thought he was injured. I thought he'd kind of retired, to be honest. Um, but now he announced that um, he's not 
fit to wrestle right now. Um, but he is going to come in and join the, I think it's the light heavyweight division. I think it has a special name, but I don't remember what it is. He told so, everyone to watch out. Yeah, he did. He called out one person in particular. I'm not sure if it was Tanahashi. Yeah, Tanahashi um, no Kata, I think. So, yeah, so we're going to be seeing Leo Rush. I did look on the roster. He is on the roster, so he will be appearing at some point. Also, as I was scrolling through, I noticed Jonathan Gresham was on the uh, roster as well. I didn't even know that he was. Uh, I could have worn my octopus shirt yesterday if I'd have known. Actually, I'm happy with my mock shirt, shirt so that's fine. All right, match seven then, JJ. Um, match seven was Okada and Rocky Romero huh? versus Jay White and... Equelio, uh, perhaps? Equelio? Hikulio. Hikulio. It could be a lot of things. So, anyway, Jay White's part of the Bullet Club, and Akada is still part of Chaos. And Rocky Romero was brought in because uh, Trent Barreto was actually had uh, announced he had COVID, so he was having to rest. So, Chaos, I mentioned earlier, Jay, uh, because that was where the Osprey group uh, splintered from. So, Chaos is... Uh, promotion appears in New Japan Pro Wrestling and AEW. It was formed in 2009 when nearly all the members of the Great, Bra Great Bash Heel, the GBH stable, turned on their leader, Makabe, and reformed under new leader, Shinsuke Nakamura. Soon after, the new group was named Chaos with Nakamura as the leader. I thought you'd recognize that name. Since its founding, Chaos has added several new members, including Akada, who has held the IWGP uh, Heavyweight Championship five times. Akada became the leader of Chaos after Nakamura's departure. Archer and succeeded he WWE. He did, and succeeded Tanahashi as the promotion's ace. Rocky Romero, another member of Chaos, won the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Championship a record eight times. Chaos originally was the only villainous group in New Japan, and in 2013, Chaos started feuds with two other villainous groups, Suzuki Gun and Bullet Club, which led to the stable being portrayed in a more sympathetic way. And after... I think that's Lizuka and Takahashi jumped to Suzuki Gun and Bullet Club, respectively. Chaos finally finalized its transition into full fan favorites. So, actually, there was a few people who talked about this. That it was probably better that um, Romero was actually part of this rather than uh, Trent Beretta, because he had nothing to... Trent Beretta, he had nothing to do with Chaos at all, whereas uh, Rocky Romero actually did. So, we think Rocky Romero had two matches then, right? Yeah, he did. Yeah. He had one in the... Second match. Yeah, he was in that second match as well. Yeah, because like I see, like this, he has the same hairstyle and the yeah. same face. He does. All right, what do you remember about this match then? Yeah, and when he, um, uh, that Okada gave high fives. He did. Somebody mentioned that he looked uncomfortable giving high fives. I didn't think that at all. I thought he looked perfectly happy giving high fives. Like he didn't have to. He could have ignored the crowd if he'd wanted to, and I nobody would have said anything. That's what I thought as well. Okay. What about the match itself? Uh, no. You don't remember anything? Yeah. You remember a tiny time that Okada was in the ring? Because I told you that was one of the people yeah. I was most excited to watch. Oh yeah, I think he won as well. You think he got the win? No. Wait, no. You did Jay? total opposite. Jay no. White won. Jay. <laughs> no, he put his feet on the ropes and he pitied him. Uh-huh. He cheated as he always does. Uh, he was also antagonizing Wait, Okada. Re redo, redo the match. Okay, go ahead. That's what they should do. Oh, please. Rematch. Do it this late, too late. They might have a. They might in the future because of that. They can play the clip and show you. Um, when um, Rocky Romero was being in the ring, they were kind of tagging. They, Suzuki, um, Jay White kept tagging in his partner, and they kept switching. They were beating him up. They antagonized Okada to try and step into the ring, and then, of course the referee went across. It was like, no, Okada, you didn't tag in. You got to go back. And at that point, Jay White's cheating on the edge of the ring, and he's like dragging him outside the ring and beating him up. So. They were up to their normal tactics, and um, Akada looked... I was worried with Akada being in the tag team that I wouldn't get to see him as much as I wanted to, but I thought I got to see him plenty. Um, I was actually watching him when he wasn't in the ring as well, JJ. Yeah. So I was kind of interested to see, like, what does he do. Him and JY are as entertaining to watch outside of the ring as inside of the ring. Like, every time there was, like, a big chop, you'd see them go, oh, and they would kind of turn away, and they would really kind of sell it. Um, they were very, um, I noticed Okada particularly was banging on the ring post to try and get the crowd going. He didn't need to do it very often. You know, sometimes the wrestlers try clapping to get the noise started. Okada literally only had to do it, like, two times, and then the whole audience were uh, joining in on it. So I was particularly impressed with um, with Okada. I thought he was great, whether he was inside the ring or outside of the ring. Obviously, the heels won. I guess I wasn't Obviously. totally surprised. 
Um, but a fun match. Um, I thought it might go on a little longer, actually. It went on 16 minutes, but I did think, knowing how long a card of matches can go on, I thought this might actually go on for 30. Uh, particularly with it being a co-main event. It went for 30 minutes. It actually says 30, so 15 is only about half of that time, so that's not even close to that. All right, match eight then. This was the one. Um, Juice so Robinson you did actually... versus Tanahashi versus Will Aspie versus John Moxley. It is. Now, I was, I was about to say, you were excited for Moxley, and you said, oh, great, I get to see a former WWE star. I'm like, he's an AEW right now. He's like, like AEW champion. He's won belts for New Japan as well. And I was like, and you're more excited by that? I was like, oh, wow. Um, and then when Leo Rush, you said that was the second one, and uh, Bronson Reed, you said that was three. So there was three that you recognized anyway. Oh, I forgot to admit, I totally missed out. Don't you want to know some more about Akada? Yeah. Uh, debuting for Toriyumon at the age of 16, he joined New Japan in 2007. After training overseas, he returned in 2012 to complete, compete sorry, in Wrestle Kingdom 6, uh, where he joined Chaos. The following month, he, defended, he defeated Tanahashi to win the IWGP heavyweight belt. Um, Okada would go on to become the most decorated heavyweight champion in history, with 30 defenses across his five reigns and a combined 1,790 days as champion, including a 720-day 12-defense reign against between 2016 and 2018, which is itself a record. Still yet to enter the age where many wrestlers reach their prime, uh, Kazuchika, I hope that's how you pronounce Okada's first name, uh, career is at an all-time great level. He's only 34, JJ. Wow, I thought he'd been around so much longer that I was, there was a few of these where I looked at the ages of the people, and I was like, wow, if you hadn't have told me, um, I didn't write down Ishii, Ishii's 47, I believe, JJ, I think he's the same age as me, I think I saw, I think he said his birthday's in December, actually, so he's 46 right now, but I was like, wow, um, I realized he'd been around a while, but I didn't realize he was quite as old as that. All right, what do you remember about this one? Perhaps Moxley's entrance might be where you start um, for this one. I was five feet from the buddy entrance, and and he didn't kick down the trash can like he did at <laughs> AEW Rampage. No, he didn't. He came right down the aisle, but unfortunately you were third seat and couldn't get out. Um, the person next to us, there was two people. The man, I think, was the wrestling fan, and his wife, I don't think, was a wrestling fan. She just kind of sat there. So he got out, and he kind of tapped him on the back, and the person who was in front of us on the row, who was on the end, she tapped him on the back as well, and she had a Moxley shirt on, so they were, like, super happy about it. Because he doesn't really give high fives, but I think you can tap him on his back as he walks Maybe by. at AW Rampage, try to give him a high five. Yeah, he, he's not giving high fives. But you can tap him on his back as he walks by. That's perfectly okay. Um, I'm trying to remember the order that they came in. Um, oh, actually, before they even brought them out, didn't they put on the screen? I think they played a, a promo yeah. from Will Ospreay. Yeah. So he was talking about what's happened, why he's into this match. I think Tanahashi also mentioned the fact that he doesn't care if it's one person. He's like, I'm, I'm going to face all four. I'm going to beat everybody anyway, so it doesn't really make any difference. I think that was another promo that they played as well. So the order they came out, I want to say Juice, Juice Robinson, Robinson came first. Will Osprey, Osprey, John Moxley, and then Tanahashi. And Tanahashi, yeah. How old do you think Tanahashi is? Um, like, 34? Um, I thought I wrote it down here. I think it said Tanahashi's 45. I was like, shut up. Oh, 46. I, written down, I was like, what? I had no idea he was that old at all. I did not. I knew he'd been. How come Yishi looks way older Tanahashi. I still think they both. There's a lot of people. We've just talked about Suzuki 54, Ishii 47, Tanahashi 46. I'm like, oh my gosh, like, these guys have been going for a long time. Now I know why I knew the names, but I, I well, Akada's 34 and I know him for a while. So, um, I was impressed with, um, once I realized that afterwards, I was even more impressed with Tanahashi. Like, I liked Tanahashi. I think he liked his entrance as well, right? And he liked the, the clothes he was wearing as well. I think he said he was an impressive entrance. Um, now knowing that they're 46 as well. Oh, man, that is uh, super impressive. All right, anything for this match then, JJ? Um, I think I have a video I need to post of this match yet, which I haven't posted on Twitter yet, actually. Um, Juice, um, Juice Robinson bites Moxley on the forehead. Ah, uh, he did, yeah. I think it's, it was um, no DQ anyway on this one, so I think that was okay, because they brought chairs in, and they had tables. Um, there was a stick brought in, I think, at one point as well, so I, I think that's okay um, in, the, in this Someone tried to interfere twice in this, but he got injured with his own weapon. I think that was Osprey's group, because he came out with all four members, and I was like, oh, you know what's going to yeah, happen here. So Osprey's clever... clearly going to win. Yeah. 
it backfired. I think Osprey did it twice. Uh-huh. Like, the weapon just fired back at them and hit their face. Um, actually, it says on my notes here, Osprey came out with uh, Aaron Hanari, Great Okan, and Jeff Cobb. Because you recognized it was Great Okan again straight away. And I knew Jeff Cobb straight away as well. Okay, anything else to remember from this one? No. So you don't remember, like, Tanahashi going right up onto the top rope and jumping and, like, doing a splash straight on the person right in front the of him? The win was not deserved for Juice Robinson. Oh, he did not deserve the win. Oh, even finished it, yeah, and you're going straight to the finish. So he asked he asked if we want to do it one more time. I'm like, yeah, sure, go ahead. And uh, also, um, Moxley was on a t- There was a table set up on the outside, which we couldn't see from amazingly. Um, and anyway, finally, Moxley got put through that. Uh, somebody jumped through, uh, landed. Somebody, I got the video. He, I think he was from the top post. Uh, jumped, landed straight on him, and broke straight through the table. Uh, there was parts when it was on the far side of the ring, and you couldn't really see. Um, I'm surprised you didn't mention. I'm not sure who it was. Uh, somebody got thrown into the barricade, and the barricade got pushed backwards right onto the people who were on the front row. There was a little bit of a gap between where the barricade was and the front row, and it's a good job, because otherwise that would have been uh, really bad as well. Yeah. All right, so why was Juice Robinson, why was he lucky? Um, How was he lucky to get the win? He cheated to get the win. How? He didn't deserve it. I, don't, I forgot what the win was. His uh, Osprey's feet were under the ropes. And so you don't have to have your foot on the rope. You just have to break the plane of the rope. So if it's below where the rope is, then that's a, and the ref didn't spot it at all. So um, um, I'm trying to remember who had who in a submission. Moxley had, I think Tana, actually Tanahashi had Moxley, I think, in a like a Boston Crab for a long time. And um, yeah, anyway, somebody came in and broke it up. Um, they didn't tap. Oh, it was a good match. 15 minutes and 45 seconds. The uh, cage match rating was uh, 8.64. So they said this was the best match of the night. I think I agree. Yeah. I think I agree. I, I like the other matches, but I think this one was just um, a little bit better. So I looked up Tanahashi for you then. The self-proclaimed once-in-a-century masterpiece, Tanahashi embodies what is meant to be the ace of New Japan. After debuting in 1999, when I read that, JJ, I was like, oh my gosh, how old is he? He has the highest record of IWGP heavyweight titles, eight. The achievement goes alongside a Grand Slam, where Tanahashi won of a precious few to win the heavyweight championship, the Intercontinental, the Tag Team, the US, and the Never Openweight Championship, as well as three G1 Climaxes. Um, I looked up John Moxley for you as well, because I wasn't sure how long he'd been wrestling in New Japan. Uh, He made an instant impact in June 2019 when he added the U.S. Heavyweight Championship to his collection on his debut. Wow. His debut and he gets a title shot straight away. Uh, He became a two-time champion at Wrestle Kingdom 14 and successfully defended against Minoru Suzuki. Ooh, I'd like to see that match. At New Beginning in Osaka the next month before the global pandemic kept him away. Uh, He returned on February 26th, it says. And I know you asked me when I said John Moxley, and you knew him as Dean Ambrose, and you were like, well, why is he called John Moxley? And I said, well, that's what he was called on the indies. So I tried to find out for you, JJ. The only thing I could see on the uh, on Wikipedia, anyway, um, good, he, um, Jonathan Good, that's his real name, began working for Les Thatcher at the Heartland Wrestling Association promotion as a teenager by selling popcorn and setting up the ring. He began training to become a pro wrestler at the age of 18. And he made his debut in 2004 under the ring name John Moxley. And then it never explains where it came from. So I don't remember. I actually read John Moxley's autobiography um, probably about six months ago. But I do not remember um, why he got that name. So can't help you on that one. Uh, I did. Oh, somebody did remind me from the promo. Uh, at Gasly Stoner said, Juice Robinson stayed at my house for six months uninvited. You owe me rent, boy. Um, that was a quote from uh, Will Ospreay. So, um, yeah, Will Ospreay was calling people out a lot. Uh, somebody did say Juice wins. He's the new title, but new champion, but not with that controversy. Uh, his leg was under the rope. Um, I'm sure they'll have another match. And somebody commented, so Juice's new theme music is just going off like that. I love it. Um, somebody also commented that Moxley's music was different. I didn't even focus on the music. I was just busy watching him. But yeah, it wasn't uh, it wasn't wild thing that he came out to. So I'm not sure what the different New Japan theme musics are. JJ, I know we have a playlist. I don't think we have any New Japan music on our playlist, so... We need New Japan music! I think you might be right. We might have to look for that. Uh, somebody said, I assume Moxley versus Tanahashi like- is going to happen at Forbidden Door. So, next month in Chicago, AEW is having a show with um, New Japan Pro Wrestling. So, um, we I looked to see if I could possibly go, but it already sold out too many tickets. Um, it sold out, like, within minutes, I think it was. It was really quick. Um, actually, I'm going to be down in Charlotte, so I'm not going to be able to do that anyway. I think two days later I'd have to be in Charlotte, so Chicago's totally the opposite direction. And um, that was pretty much it. Um, I 
I really enjoyed it, and I wasn't just sure if that was just because it was floor seating, and it's because uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling was kind of new to me, so it kind of felt different and therefore better. Yeah. Um, you said you really enjoyed it as well, so I was kind of curious what Twitter actually said. Um, at Ranting Review, um, New Japan Pro Wrestling Capital Collision was the most fun I've had at a live show since probably AEW Full Gear back in 2019. That's big praise. Uh, at Ambrose Asylum 44, overall NJPW Capital Collision was a great beeping show. Tonight, most of the action was great, and we got two Match of the Year candidates with Kingston and Ishii, and the four-way for the US titles. Great stuff by New Japan Pro Wrestling. Um, at EL Class underscore King, my thoughts on the show. I absolutely loved it. Had a little bit of everything, and maybe one of my favorite all-time matches in Ishii Kingston that I've seen live. Uh, also got to see Okada and Jay White, Tanahashi, Osprey, and so many others for the first time. I kind of felt the same thing. <laughs> like, here's a lot of people I hadn't seen before. But interesting, two people picked Ishii and Kingston as one of the uh, big matches. Whereas when I looked on Cage Match, that one didn't get such a high rating. And I think this one says more than anything, my dad, who is a casual fan, just had a blast at New Japan Pro Wrestling Capital Collision. Guess you don't need to be a hardcore fan to enjoy great pro wrestling, even from another country. I would be more interested to know what people who don't normally go to wrestling matches are, or people who went for a first time. Did they think it was better than perhaps some of the stuff they've seen on TV? Um, you said you want to see more New Japan. I've said multiple times I want to see New Japan, and I never followed through on it. I actually think this might be it, JJ. I'm actually tempted to get that Forbidden Door um, pay-per-view now. If we're not going to be there, and you're really interested in watching it, I have a feeling you would actually sit and watch that with me. So yeah. I might be prepared to get that one. Um, at the end, we actually left. As soon as that match finished, I was like, let's go. I was like, let's get out of here. Because we wanted to get back and out that Big parking crowd. lot. And we did. We got out quick. We didn't have to. We got straight into the car, drove straight out. And we got home in, I think it was 32 minutes. It was like, yeah. oh my gosh, when there's no traffic on the roads in DC, um, you can get home quick. Uh, it's like 30 miles, so about 30 minutes. So it worked, it worked really good. We got home uh, um, I think I knew the show was going to finish about 10, because normally if they're a pay-per-view event, they tend to go like 7 till 10. It's like a three-hour show, and they did. They finished pretty much at 10 o'clock. So we got home, but after the walk, it was like 10.40, I think it was. We had to walk to the car, um, get out. But yeah, no, it was pretty good. Um, I said, if we miss anything, we'll catch it in the morning. The only thing I think we missed is Moxley stayed out and actually took a microphone. Um, I didn't write down the whole thing that he said, but basically he said he likes the lion logo, New Japan. That uh, kind of resonates with him. I guess he recognizes the that lion within him. Uh, he said he was privileged to be out here with great Japanese wrestlers and just listed all the names like Tanahashi, Okada. Of course, every time he mentions a name, he gets a big cheer. Um, he thanked the fans as well. He said fans like you make shows like this possible. So, yeah, basically it was just a, a big thank you. But that was cool of Moxley to do that at the end. And the video that somebody recorded cut off at the end, so I don't. I assumed he walked back out through the crowd but i didn't get to see that part at all um anything else jj yeah. all right i think that'll do it do you have an outro for this one no no you don't play on your guitar no. wrong thing that's the other uh, podcast okay. dad so that's it